welcome to the latest episode of APPA's Public Power Now podcast. I'm Paul Schimpoli, News Director at APPA. Today's episode will focus on diversity and equity at public power utilities, specifically at the Los Angeles Department of Water and Power and the New York Power Authority. Our guests for this podcast roundtable are Monique Earle and Nancy Harvey. In July, Monique was named to lead the newly created Office of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion at LADWP. And in September of 2020, Nancy was named by NIPA's Board of Trustees as NIPA's Chief Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Officer. Monique and Nancy, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you for having us. Sure. Um, so to, to get our conversation started, um, uh, Monique and Nancy, could each of you um, talk about your career paths um, leading up to your current positions at LEDWP and NIPA? Sure. I'll go ahead and start, Paul. Thank you so much. Um, for that introduction. Well, I saw an article the other day that said LADWP hires City Hall veterans and was surprised to learn that they were talking about me. (laughs) So uh, when I got the call from the recruiter about this opportunity, I literally said, thanks. This sounds great. I will forward this over to all my folks that do DE&I because I did not consider myself a DE&I subject matter expert. Um, I said this primarily because as the executive officer at the city's Department of Transportation, I was on the general manager track and singularly focused on that particular career goal. Uh, Then the recruiter said, Monique, you should really take a second look at this particular opportunity. Not only have you been a champion for all things DE&I, but you have a background in public finance, you run a city department, and you have the relationships to make system changes. And uh, this is why recruiters are good at their job. So I went through the process and ultimately um, I got the position. So I started with the city in 2003 as a city council field deputy. And after that member turned out, I went to grad school at American University in Washington, DC, got my MPA and briefly worked in the office of former governor, but then mayor of Richmond, Virginia, Doug Wilder. And then after graduation, I moved back to LA and began a journey in public finance. I served as a budget deputy for the chair of the city's budget committee, deputy mayor over budget under Mayor Antonio Viragoza, and then went to work in the controller's office as a city deputy controller. Um, but it wasn't until I went to work in the city's department of transportation as the assistant general manager over administration and field operations that I began to really, really dig deep into issues of DE&I. I would tell anyone that would listen that at LADOT, I really only had one job, and that is to unravel systemic racism and discrimination where it lives and breathes um, in that organization. And I have to get a shout out to the general manager at LADOT, Salita Reynolds, um, for establishing that as a core value before it was popular to do so. But that really is what fueled um, my work and why I'm here. Thanks, Monique. Nancy? Um, Well, uh, thank you for inviting me here to talk to you today. And um, my story tracks a little bit different from Monique, except that I was in public service as well. Um, So I um, began my career as a lawyer, right? Or even further back, I have a, a degree in accounting. And so I am... Uh, similar to, to Monique, I didn't consider myself a DEI expert. However, I always did um, have concerns about the experience of employees in the workplace. 
And so um, I became an attorney and worked for the New York City Parks and Recreations. And that was quite um, an experience over 14 years there um, in a capacity as senior counsel. And so I worked on a myriad of issues, right, stemming from concerts in Central Park to um, the city trees. And um, a big part of my responsibility included labor and employment issues. So I did work on um, investigating complaints of discrimination and all the other types of um, issues that come up in the workplace between management and employees, as well as among colleagues, right? So I served in a, I want to say an executive capacity, giving guidance to management and um, working on issues about access to the parks. Um, And I actually thought success for me was straight towards being um, general counsel. And so I I enjoyed the aspects of my work. And, I, you know, you could see what you were doing, right? So you're working in the parks, you're working on negotiating, say, a marketing agreement, and you see the the products being um, tested in the the park or work on a huge concert or work on um, a park. So I worked on Madison Square Park way back when, when they started redeveloping it. And it's a beautiful park now. So I could see around the city and enjoy my work. and so I just narrowly held on to the, the goal of becoming general counsel. And that really wasn't happening. And then I started to think broader. Well, what else did I want to do? Um, am I correct in hanging on to this viewpoint that I needed to be general counsel? And so I actually pivoted, um, did a lot of soul searching, went through disengagement, all kinds of different things that can happen when you think um, your career is not going the way you think it should. And I then... Fast forward, managed to leave parks and came over to New York Power Authority in a more narrow role as an affirmative action officer, again, looking at um, issues of discrimination and workplace disputes and ensuring equity, right? Um, And in having a conversation here, um, I found a workplace that was uh, full of employees and colleagues from all over the world, different um, levels of education, um, energy industries, full of innovative folks. And I thought, well, what else can I do? I need to broaden my scope because I realized that diversity, equity, in a very singularly um, strategic way, it was very um, dispersed. So there were different pockets of very good things happening, but it wasn't to me in a, in a very um, strategic manner. And I spoke to the CEO and president about this and he was like, well, what do you think? And I shared my thoughts and then we were off and running, right? I started working around diversity, equity, and inclusion, understanding what exactly it meant. And I went to, to um, did a couple courses and started really talking more holistically, not just about um, compliance and reactive, but also in being proactive. And um, I didn't think I was a DEI expert. And to Monique's point, I started talking to the leaders here and they're like, yeah, what I was doing was also um, important to that role. And my role just started growing more and more here. And so here I am today. Great, thanks. Um, so um, just pivoting to, to what each of your utilities are, are doing these days, um, Monique, I'd like to start with you and then Nancy, if you could also um, comment on this question. Um, could, could, you, could you highlight diversity and, and equity projects or initiatives that are currently underway um, at your respective utilities? Great. Thanks, Paul. 
Um, so one project is the establishment of, of this office. Before I started, the department did a really comprehensive um, survey of the employees. They got demographic data on um, the different employees by race and by gender. And, um, and then they did focus groups to see how the employees um, felt about their work environments and also how they felt about DEI initiatives. So what came out of uh, that racial equity action plan that was established, um, uh, one major initiative was setting up this office. So as the senior assistant general manager over the Office of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion, I report to the general manager. I've been given a huge responsibility and broad authority to make a difference um, both internally and externally at LADWP. My office is made up of over 111 positions um, and includes the bulk of personnel, including recruitment, hiring, training, and employee development. Um, I also have economic development under me, um, supplier diversity, aspects of community engagement, and the data equity metrics initiative, which will allow um, this agency to put an equity lens over every single um, business line. And so um, that is really what drew me to this opportunity. It's so unique because oftentimes um, when you're looking at DEI shops, and, and it doesn't matter what sector you're in, generally you, you have uh, one person and an assistant trying to get the work done. But I really have been given um, broad administrative and executive authority to make some real um, serious changes within the organization. I love this conversation because um, lots of times it feels like there's only one way to accomplish the DEI goals or any particular goals. Um, but how we get there is, is similar, right? So at NIFA, we had a, I mean, a pivotal moment. We've always had DEI um, programs going. The last year was pivotal for us with the pandemic, with the um, murder of George Floyd, and we actually um, it catalyzed us to take a second look. And um, our CEO tasked us, and and the trustees challenged us to come up with ten commitments that would help to accelerate the DEI program at NIFA. And so um, we're talking about a story where we're moving from 2017 when the Office of Civil Rights and Inclusion was actually formed. And um, I was named director for that role. And I did work alone um, in, in collaboration with others. And so we're looking now to last year when we made the 10 commitments. And what we did was come together with a working group and so we, my office, um, the Supply Diversity Program and the leaders of the Environmental Justice Program, um, all three, we came together and formed a working group with other stakeholders. So we're talking about like our labor, labor um, relations leader, um, talent acquisition and development, we worked with the executive office and had a really big, robust group and came together to talk about the 10 commitments that we could, things that we think would really work towards accelerating our program and enhance our vision to be a leader that attracts, um, develops and retains the best workforce, right? While we're continuing to maintain a culture of 
equality and inclusion. So you're talking about while while it's a small working group leading that effort, we had over 150 employees really involved in the DEI um, effort at that point. And so we work to bring this vision to life, right? And what one of the things we also did was made sure that we engaged with the members of our employer resource group and the members of our multicultural employer resource group, especially because they're the ones who hosted our all hands last year, where um, that really shared with the organization what the experience was like for black um, and people of color employees. And so we've been working towards that 10, um, the 10 commitments that we made. And really and truly, my office drives seven internal facing commitments and then supply diversity and environmental justice drives um, three external facing commitments. And we're really, we've come up with a strategy, a five-year, 10-point strategy that's really organized around four pillars, the main goals being um, building a pipeline, building an inclusive culture, ensuring equity and accountability, and also building capacity of our employees. And I can share with you one program that I can highlight that is coming directly out of our commitments that we just launched recently is um, the Pathways program, which is supposed to, the goal is to build capacity through targeted programs and expanded mentorship. And our Pathways program, which we just uh, closed application periods for, is um, targeting our employees of color who are individual contributors. And so it's looking to create pathways for career development and upward mobility of those employees. And we're excited about that because while we have other programs um, about development at NIPA, we've never really had one particular one in particular that is um, organized for or employees of color. Um, the other thing that has come out of our 10 commitments is my office, right? So I was elevated to Chief Diversity Equity and Inclusion Officer, reporting with a dotted line to the CEO and President and reporting to our EVP and Chief Human, right, Human Resources Administrative Officer. Um, and so we all work very closely together and it's, 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 it's really elevated the program and we've gotten our leaders to buy in and the commitment to this program is phenomenal. The change, we moved from engagement and building awareness back in 2017 to working towards a 10-year plan. Um, at NIPA, we have a Vision 2030 strategy of which diversity, equity, and inclusion is one of the five foundational pillars that it's organized around. So um, a lot is happening at, at NIPA with regard to um, our commitments to DEI. Well, thanks, Nancy. Um, so uh, just for the next couple of questions, I want to kind of uh, take, take a broader step back and, and um, kind of look at the public power sector overall. Um, starting with the question of how you think public power utilities are uniquely positioned to uh, effectively address diversity and equity issues. And uh, Monique, did you want to uh, take a first crack at that question? Sure. Um, I think public utilities are uniquely um, positioned to address DNI issues um, because we are an essential service to every single household and business in the areas that we serve. Um, there's a relationship there. 
And we have to optimize um, those benefits on both sides, whether we are investing in new infrastructure or upgrading existing infrastructure. We are engaging the public on multiple levels. And um, at each touch point, there's an opportunity to advance DEI. Um, at, at LADWP, we do have um, a particular initiative happening right now. And this is in regard to our LA 100 equity strategy. Um, so the city of LA recently set ambitious goals to transform its energy supply, just like cities all around this country and around the world. And as a result, um, LADWP partnered with NREL on the LA 100% Renewable Energy Study. This was a first of its kind science-based study to analyze pathways to achieve 100% clean energy future by 2035. And so while this study identified various paths to achieve clean energy transitions across power, building, and transportation sectors, more work was needed to analyze strategies that achieve a clean energy transition for equity-deserving uh, communities. So at the leadership of the department's uh, commission president, Cynthia McLean Hill, and our general manager, Marty Adams, DWP, will partner with community stakeholders across the city uh, for the next 18 months to prioritize equity outcomes in this clean energy um, transition. And so this is huge for not only this department, but for the city and those communities that we serve. Some examples of, of the outcomes could include um, local neighborhood power grid upgrades, um, assistance to renters to participate in solar energy efficiency and electrification programs, um, increased public charging, improved air quality. But how we do it in particular communities, it, it's not a monolith. We will have to work with each of those community uh, stakeholders and community-based organizations to tailor those outcomes so that we are really truly meeting the equitable needs of, of those neighborhoods. Yeah, so so public utilities, I think, are uniquely positioned. As Monique said, um, everyone needs power, right? And everyone is, um, we're all, all communities are um, suffer equally, greatly from climate change. So with that perspective, it's important for public utilities to do their part in ensuring that um, communities of color um, underserved, underrepresented um, communities, disadvantaged communities all share equitably in um, the emerging technologies and innovation that we have going out there. That being said, you're talking about um, increasing and deepening partnerships with people of color, right? Educating and training people, um, especially around clean energy economy, Clean energy economy, understanding that um, some, some not everyone has equal access or resources to really um, benefit from and take advantage of it at this moment. So it's for us to go in and to teach and, and engage at that level. Partnering with um, historically Black colleges and universities to connect their students with internships that are available in our fields, that's another way that we can um, start to make a change and, and, and build and deepen relationships. I think encouraging elementary, middle, and high schoolers um, 
is important because you know you're trying to get folks interested in and learn more about the STEM field. And and it, it, the earlier you do it, the better. I, I feel like college is just a little bit too late to engage folks there. Um, we have actually we have increased spending goals for um, our MWBEs. We have our supply diversity folks who are actually conducting outreach and educational events, and we're increasing those and actually looking to launch a supplier mentor protege program. And something else that that we have going on. So I mentioned our environmental justice. Um, we have an environmental justice division that's led by Lisa Wansley. And um, in that space, environmental justice actually goes into the communities where our assets are located and partners with and works with um, underserved communities in those neighborhoods. And so um, one of our huge commitments, and, and this was launched this summer and it was really well received, was um, a Future Energy Leader Scholarship Program. So it's a first up for us, it's a first for us, and we awarded 10 scholarships to college um high school graduates going into to colleges. And we also established um, a partnership with PTEC. And so there are, I think, about 14 or 15 interns. So we, it's the first time that we actually partnered with PTEC to bring in high school interns to work with us. Um, small cohort that we're targeted to increase um, over the next five years. And so I feel like those programs are ways to get into um, the community and get uh, people of color interested and, and really leverage our opportunity to grow uh, representation in the STEM field and in the utilities. Thanks, Nancy. Um, so just a final question. Um, and I wanted to tap your both your experiences in terms of, of the important work that you're both doing right now um, in terms of what advice um, you may have for uh, public power CEO or, or general manager who's, who wants to strengthen diversity and equity efforts um, at his or her um, public power utility. Um, Monique, did you want to start off? Sure. Um, so like I mentioned before, it's so important um, for leaders to be bold and really to be the loudest voice in the room when it comes to calling out um, systemic inequities in their organizations, um, historical poly policies that um, really stood in the way of DEI efforts in the past, um, and to really crafting policies to address um, a lot of the issues as well as shifting the culture so that the change um, is transformative. There just, there's no more lip service um, in this day and age. I think employees are um, more vocal now uh, than ever. They feel empowered to make a difference. Um, here at LADWP, uh, long before there was an executive directive to help to create this office and to push this agenda um, there were employee resource groups that were established um, where employees were not only coming together in affinity spaces that supported their professions, but just that were affinity spaces across their varied interests. And so now we're, we're really given a voice to that. 
and allowing the employees to be heard. So it's really going to take that leadership at the top to drive um, those initiatives and to continue to empower employees. Um, I think part of the effort, I, I want people to understand you to not be discouraged by where you are on the spectrum. Everybody has a journey and it starts at some point and it really starts with somebody voicing an interest, moving something forward. Um, but success depends on leadership and support from the top. I absolutely agree. It starts with leaders and you need to be committed to um, the diversity effort that you have. I think um, it's not going to be successful. It's not going to move unless from the trustee at the very top down understands and demonstrates every day the commitment to advancing DEI aspirations. And um, you need to pick up starting point. Um, what we did here was started with uh, building awareness and then um, growing so that we had a critical mass that people understood from the leaders down, all our employees understood what this meant, what it was about, um, addressing myths and, and, and clarifying why DEI is important and what it will look like and what it means for everyone. Um, Another thing to do is to review resources, right? Take a look and see what you have. Um, Monique mentioned listening. You have to listen to employees and gather data um, and be prepared to address the feedback that you get. And then one important thing for us is really to activate and bring our commitments to life. So you really have to... Um, once you have that you're listening and you understand where you are and what you want to do, you make your commitment and then you have to measure progress towards that and keep reviewing it um, and hold ourselves accountable to what we say we're going to do and ensure that we do it. I think those things are key to advancing DEI and and strengthening it across um, all of our utilities and certainly building relationships and partnering with other utilities across the country. That will help so that you understand and you can share resources and share knowledge and support each other in the effort. But um, I think that's uh, that's the advice I would have for leaders. Thanks, thanks, Nancy. Um, so uh, Monique and Nancy, thank, thanks again uh, so much for taking time out of your day to speak with us um, on these very, very important issues and describing your, your key roles uh, in your respective utilities. Um, love to have you back at some point, whether it's another roundtable or even one-on-one -on -one interviews to kind of get an update for our listeners on various uh, initiatives and projects that you're both working on. So thanks again for, for taking time out of your day to speak with us. Thank you, Bob. Really appreciate it. I appreciate it. Thank you.